0: Welcome to the next podcast, The Millinery Info. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie. Thank you for joining me today for this episode with Maya Svensson. Maya was the winner of the Millinery category for the 2021 Hat Timber competition with a piece titled, To Love Ones. Thank you to our wonderful podcast sponsors for making this episode possible. The Essential Hat, Best Western Apollo Bay Motel and Apartments, Louise MacDonald Milliner, That Millinery, House of Hat As Millinery Supplies, Lifted Millinery, be Unique Millinery, Judith M. Millinery Supply House, Hats by Leco, Hat Academy, Hat Mags, and Millinery Australia. You can find a link to each of these businesses in our show notes, either on your podcast app or through our website. If you've been enjoying listening to this podcast series, I'd like to invite you to sign up and show your support through becoming a Patreon of Millinery Info. We've made a few changes over on our Patreon levels. So to give you an idea of the options, we've now got a small thank you to Millinery Info, Millinery Info, you inspire me, all the way up to being a Millinery Info podcast sponsor. If you head over to www.patreon.com forward slash millinery info, it will show each tier in the local currency for you. Thank you for our current sponsors for making this episode possible. Thank you so much,
1: Maya, for joining me today for this podcast with Millinery Info. It's wonderful to have you as part of the series. Um, I'd love to start with how did you first become involved in
2: millinery? Yeah, so uh, I mean, I've uh, I've always been interested in vintage fashion and, uh, you know, watching costume movies and uh, seeing all this wonderful hat. Uh, but, but I really didn't have an idea of how a hat was made. And uh, I've been, I've always been creative and uh, doing various creative uh, hobbies over the years. And uh, I've attended various short courses over the years, um, painting and sewing and uh, sketching. Uh, and then I stumbled across this millinery course. In Sweden, in Gothenburg, uh, and that was in two thousand and fifteen.
1: Fantastic! And who was teaching the course? What did what did you get to learn in it?
2: Yeah, uh, you see, in uh, here in Sweden, we have uh, a qualified military education in Gothenburg, um, and uh, it's I think it's called the Crafting Academy, Tillskåra Academy in Gothenburg, um, and they also offer short courses. Um, so uh, I attended at first the weekend course where you really learned uh, the basics. I had never seen a hat block before, so I, I really didn't know anything about how to create the hat. Um, so so I learned the basics of millinery there. And uh, then I also attended summer course in Sweden. Yeah. Fantastic. That same summer.
1: Yeah. yeah. And you made a stunning piece for the Hat Timber competition run by Hatters Millinery Supplies. Could you tell us a little bit about that piece for those who haven't seen it?
2: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I created a headpiece uh, for this competition called "To Loved Ones," um, and uh, the theme for the competition was uh, uh, the places you go after the pandemic. Um, and this was the first time I attended the September competition uh, that I I've, I've heard about it before and I've seen uh, I've seen uh, the, the beautiful pieces that people have created. And, and I really liked the fact that you will receive a kit. everyone will receive the same kit and then you have to be creative and uh, use your imagination and create something from that. So in the kit, there was a, a straw, a, a bumper mat, and then there was a straw braid, um, a Peterson ribbon, and some veiling. Yeah, so, so you had to use that. But I had, I, I mean, of course, I, I live in Sweden, and Sweden is quite far from Australia. Um, so the, 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 the millinery material package was sent out early June. But it ended uh, getting stuck up in customs, oh, no. the Swedish <laughs> customs, because uh, we had new custom regulations apparently for incoming goods from outside of Europe. So I ended up getting my my kit July 29th Gosh. and it was supposed to be returned to Australia. I think. Um, August 25 or something like that so yeah so I mean uh uh, it was really really hectic days um luckily I had summer vacation at that time um but I I mean I I was never really sure that it was going to get to Australia even so uh uh, nerve-wracking really really nerve-wracking and really really intense so but but the thing was that I um because I was waiting for this kid to arrive, I had really thought about the theme and started to create an idea in my head and what, what really just popped up to me was the loved ones. Because for me, that has been the core of this uh, pandemic, yeah, you know, we have been separated from our loved ones and um, I wanted to celebrate the fact that we could meet again. So, so, I had this idea, but I, I didn't know what color uh, the material would be that I received, and I, I really didn't know what even what materials it contained. So, luckily for me, I received a ruby red kit <laughs> containing, basically, like, it was perfect for my idea. Yeah. So yeah, so um, so it was it was ten quite busy days. I think I that start sewing from around eight o'clock to perhaps uh, eight o'clock in the evening so busy busy oh. sewing
1: and the shape that you made so you formed a stunning love heart shape is that something is that a block that you had or do you free form that how know. did you go about making it
2: no it's actually a concrete heart <laughs> because uh, I didn't uh, I mean I, I had an idea that I would create the heart and um, at first uh, I mean I didn't really know Exactly how how I wanted to shape the heart because I did not know what material I would receive. Um, so I uh, when I had received the material, I started browsing the shops nearby, and I found this uh, concrete heart. So I used that as a block, but of course it comes thin concrete. Yes, <laughs> it was slightly tricky <laughs> just to get it to you know to stay stay in shape. Uh, but it it actually worked quite well it's a Uh, stunning shape
1: what is a stunning
2: shape yeah and it's I mean it's quite large too (laughs) yeah so I um so I added some materials of course um uh, it's a lot of wire in this piece to get it to stay together and to hold this floating shape and um so it was almost like an open heart surgery <laughs> because I had to like keep a lid, uh, almost like an opening on the backside to to attach to this wide headband that I created, uh, and just to to be able to actually sew it together and to keep it stable. And so I I spent quite quite a long time doing that and just hiding the stitches and making sure that it didn't show and then covered it for the lid on the back also. Oh
1: Wow. And it's yeah, such, but... such amazing detail
2: as well. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So sweet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, it's also, I think what's interesting with, with millinery is that you don't always know what it will end up or how your hat will end up. Um, I mean, it's a process, so to begin with, I, I had an idea of, of the balloon just just you know hanging hanging down, but then I started playing with angles and just, yeah, got, got the angle right. so
1: It was so fun and playful. Had you worked with a bundle map before? Never,
2: never, ever. Um, uh, I usually use uh, a parasizer store. Uh, when it comes to straw and then I have used uh, other materials, but, but never. But I, I actually like it because it's, it's quite shiny. Um, one negative thing is that it frays quite easily. So I really have to keep through, you know, since this shape is quite quite round and small, you know, you have to make sure that it doesn't fray, fray too much on the backside. Yeah. yeah, I really like like that material.
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely
2: and um the beautiful
1: braid that ha- had a stock as a tressa braid um which was just such a wonderful um pop of texture as well in the tails
2: yeah exactly um I had to wire that also so it's um it's a wire between two two, two straw pieces okay. just to, to get get the shape right so yeah it was I must say, I mean, sometimes you really need to have a really harsh deadline uh, because it really boosts creativity in a way that, uh, I mean, in the moment you can't really believe it, but uh, in hindsight, just I don't I I think if I would have had an entire summer to create it, it might have looked differently. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm not sure it would have looked better.
1: so... <laughs> You mentioned your design process there. Do you normally sketch out a piece, or how do you how do you develop the design? Uh, no, no,
2: I don't normally sketch. Uh, I I sometimes sketch sketch when I when I get ideas, but not not specifically. Though I start uh, every half by sketching. It's more um, if I have an idea, you know, uh, just in a blur of a the moment that I might sketch it. But uh, yeah, usually I, it's it's mostly in my head. And then I st- start to create something and, and let it build from there. With with this hat, since I only had about a week to create it, um, I really had to to uh, sort of uh, de- decide the process or, or put it into a different steps to be able yeah. to make sure that I finished what I could finish uh, at the same time. So. So it was quite structured i'm I'm not always that structured <laughs> in my milleal work i I like uh, to let my pieces evolve yeah um so so it, it quite often doesn't really turn out the way I expected it to to begin with
1: It's <laughs> a journey and what type of other pieces do you enjoy making
2: yeah i uh I really enjoy the variety of millinery. Um, so I think my pieces are anything from headbands to larger hats, some are a bit more vintage inspired and some are a bit more modern um, and quite quite colorful hats, uh, but the hats of different materials, really. So it's, um, yeah, I, I don't think any hat is exactly like, like the other. <laughs> i've had
1: another milliner yeah. compare this and she goes i can't i can't pick my hats and people go oh no i can tell which ones are yours and she goes oh i can't that's really yeah. like like she's she sees every piece as being so different um yeah. but people can still see a, a synergy and a likeness between them which is really
2: interesting yeah. yeah yeah and that's probably true because of course you you see your own pieces during the process that they are made, and then, then you get sort of blind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I usually, if if people ask me to, to describe my hats, I usually say that they are quite creative, at least when it comes to Swedish measurements, <laughs> because uh, here in Sweden, um, we do have horse racing events, uh, and uh, people tend to wear... Dramatic hats to those of them too, but it's it's uh, still not that common. So um, people tend to think that my hats are quite crazy. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) a lot of fun. So you mentioned horse racing. What are some other occasions or um, when are people wearing hats in Sweden?
2: Yeah, I think uh, of course. I mean, there are so many different types of hats that but if i mean people on the street or out walking would perhaps wear a a self fedora or trilby or a summer straw hat uh, on the beach in the summer but um, we don't have hats as part of formal wear like you do in england and probably australia too so it's it's not it, we don't really have that tradition that uh, the mother of the bride should wear a hat or the, the mother of the groom. But people do tend to wear hats to weddings. And um, I mean, with, with the headpiece trend that's been going on for a couple of years, people, people could wear hats uh, to, to festive events or uh, yeah parties, uh, but, uh, but it's, not, it's not super common. Wear hats in Sweden. Yeah, at least it's... at least not the, the more creative hat. <laughs> <laughs> and um, where where do you make? Do you
1: have a studio space? What's your setup?
2: Yeah, so um, my apartment is my studio at the moment. So uh, I have a I have a studio apartment or a, an an attic apartment um with quite good lights um and it's uh, it's an old building quite charming so it, it suits Milanby, i think it's it can i mean the light the lighting is good which is important it's my dream to to have a separate studio and uh that is something that I'm looking at but i haven't yet found it um i'm also uh because uh um i'm planning to move in uh, with my partner uh, and then we might have to find the bigger space and uh, hopefully uh, it will include a studio
1: that would be fantastic so the pins don't take over the couch that's just me.
2: exactly exactly <laughs> on the floor <laughs> there's a lot of pins here and a lot of hats yeah
1: <laughs> and do you have a large collection what's your hat block collection like
2: yeah, I I was um, I have been uh, because in in Sweden it's it's not that easy to find materials for half making. Or when I start started doing millinery, um, it, I really I didn't really know where to find the material, uh, including the half blocks. Um, but I am uh, I'm very fond of antique markets and uh, vintage shops and have have stumbled across uh, a half block every now and then. Um, and I was also really lucky to uh, to find uh, uh, there was this lady in my hometown who have, um, she had inherited a, a milliner's uh, collection of half blocks and material. So I uh, I bought lots of blocks from her. Oh, wow. So, so, yeah, so I have a, a lot of vintage half blocks. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know how many, perhaps twenty or so. um And then I also create my own half blocks wow. because uh, some sometimes you you need a shape that you don't really have available. And uh, like I said before, you, sometimes you have to find a concrete heart.
1: <laughs> you found okay. objects. That's so interesting, yeah. and it's so interesting to see you had an idea of the shape that you wanted to create, but. Um, you didn't have the form so you had to go and find that's yeah. an amazing art it's a that's
2: a skill yeah yeah and no, I mean I, I think that's definitely what what has drawn me to millinery or kept kept me going uh, with with millinery the fact that it you you keep on learning and there's such a variety of steps and create creative steps and processes in millinery because you start out blocking or shaping something and then then you I mean the sewing part doesn't begin until you're you've done quite a lot of steps and then it's the trimmings and then you can be really creative also so yeah it's 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 really interesting with millinery in that way I think
1: yeah and the blocks that you make uh what do you make them out of
2: I uh I have used um, yeah v- various kind of materials. I uh, I got a tip from um, I attended a couple of courses with Sarah Marshall at John Board Hat, which I uh, I know you have spoken to her before. Yes, loved um, speaking with Sarah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I so she gave me some tips that you can use, like electrical wires, to get get around the shape if you're creating a headband or something and. Otherwise, I've been using um, lots of wire, of course, and uh, buckram and pure uh, fabric. Also, lots of layers of dual fabric. So also for shape. Yeah. So cool.
1: And are you? Do you start from a block you already have, or are you free-forming it from a shape in your head?
2: Um. You mean with the blocks that I create? Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's more uh, of an idea I have in my head. Um, I've also sometimes combined an existing block with uh, with uh, some other materials that I created to get to get a, a different shape. So yeah, I I like that process too. I am um, I am an engineer uh, as a professional. I was an engineer before. Um, but i I like the problem solving thing with millinery um also so uh, so I really yeah, I really enjoy the half clock making part also,
1: <laughs> yeah, you can see a great transfer of your other skills coming in through that, and that explains yeah, the um
2: yeah.
1: aerodynamic nature of some of your pieces as well
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And so you've yeah. mentioned learning from Sarah there. What are some of the yeah. other tips and tricks you picked up along, along the way that have been helpful in classes?
2: After I had attended the, the basic courses in Sweden, uh, I started to experiment uh, at home really and uh, try to learn a bit more about millinery in general since I, I didn't really know a lot about millinery and I didn't have uh, so much material uh, available I didn't have any hat blocks so so I, c- I couldn't really um I c- I couldn't really create uh, hats uh, at home to begin with. But uh then I stumbled across this course short course in South of England with the uh, milliner Jane Corbett who is uh, a very talented and uh, wonderful milliner um and uh it was at this lovely place called Dean College, which is a college of arts and conservation in, um, situated on a castle. So that oh. was like a, the best combination of everything because I'm, I'm, uh, I've traveled to England quite a lot uh, because I really like England. And um, t- so to get to combine Millinery and England was perfect. And uh, so that course was um, about creating the headpieces, flower making and dyeing, which was all new to me. And that was in early 2017. So yeah, so that was really, really amazing. I, I learned lots of new tricks and also just to be around so many other creative people. That was really, really amazing. It's fantastic.
1: And taking away those skills, were you, um, have you? what are those techniques? Have you transferred into your other pieces? Because that organdy technique is quite pretty and delicate. Um, and some of your work yeah. is so
2: structural. Working with organdy, that, that's one of my favorite fabrics. Uh, and I really love the dyeing part of Minanui. I usually buy white uh, parasol and then I dye it into the color I want because I'm quite picky with colors or color hoops um, so so i learned that that is something i, I really consider in a way a life-changing uh, short course wow. in, in or, or life-changing for my millinery work really because um because I, I think you you always learn you learn new techniques when you attend courses and then then you bring them home and you experiment on your own and they use, use parts of that technique and then, then you start, start to evolve it or try it on other material, materials and fabric. Yeah, I, um, I attended a course also with Sarah Marshall at Westin, which was sculptural millinery, so working with wire and crin and straw braid. and I, I think if I if I wouldn't have attended that course, I could never have created uh, the the two loved ones happy. So, so I mean, there there are a lot of tricks you learn on a course that, yeah. that you really keep on evolving. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I really love that, uh, and also because I mean in Sweden you can you can you can learn a great deal about millinery and definitely learn learn the craft. But I think the craft develops a bit more in countries, of course, where you wear hats more frequently and uh, there are new techniques uh, coming along uh, all the time. So it's attending short courses every now and then lets you learn this, this new aspects of millinery too.
1: Yeah. And also learning from different people and picking up their different ways of doing things.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think makes you a holistic um maker and milliner versus maybe learning from one person
2: exclusively yeah. for the whole time yeah exactly because i mean you you will you will develop your own style of millinery um, i mean you, you don't want to to uh, just use use the technique that another person is, is using i mean uh we are all unique millionaires, yeah. Really. So yeah. Fantastic.
1: And you've been making hats for some time now. Do you have some clients that you sell to? Do they come to you through your website? What's your interaction with them?
2: Yeah, so before the pandemic, um, I used to display my hats on the art shows or art exhibitions. Of course, we haven't had too many of those lately. <laughs> <laughs> because um yeah i I really do consider millinery art. I mean it's it's wearable art and it's it's also a a good way to to de- display your hats uh, so people can try them and look at them and yeah you know, it just uh, opened their eyes to millinery. so so that's that's one way and then i I have an instagram page and I'm on the home page and also connections you meet people when you go to different events like horse racing events and you meet other like-minded people and people who are genuinely interested in hats and they contact you and uh yeah so so i'm building a network i would say (laughs) i don't have a a shop or an open studio i think so now but uh hopefully one day yeah
1: And when you're out and about, um, do you wear a hat yourself or do you um, consciously
2: go to events where there's opportunities to wear hats? I think think it depends on what type of hat it is, of course, because since I like to do these uh, creative or dramatic sculptural hats, it's it's not something you can wear every day or on your way to work. (laughs) So... uh, so I, of course, try to attend events where you can actually wear those kind of hats, um, but then um, in the recent years, I started making more classical hats like self fedoras and trill and that is, of course, something you can wear every day if you like. So yeah, so it, it depends. It depends. I, uh, I, uh, I should probably wear more hats, I think. So that's a mission of mine.
1: <laughs> uh, how has your hat making style and techniques
2: evolved since you first began yes i think when i when i first began um, I, st- I started to create hats, hats that i had seen and since i was interested in vintage fashion and uh, vintage style those, those first hats was quite vintagey hair uh, you know, like Jackie O, 1960s hats or little pillbox hats. And then uh, as I started to learn more about millinery and, uh, you know, seeing uh, different uh, milliner's work and also uh, getting access to more, more materials to use and learning new techniques, uh, it has evolved along the way, but it, um, I, I started doing the more dramatic and uh, creative hats before I started doing the, the regular fedoras and hildes, which in hindsight are, are easier to create but, uh, but I, I guess I was drawn to these uh, freeform creative uh, pieces I, um, I loved working with straw and crin and wire so of course I created hats on that material to begin with and then, then I came across this lovely stash of vintage felt hoods. Um, I started to use them and create uh, both um, classic, uh, classic hats and uh, headpieces and felt flowers and uh, I mean you, you can really use materials in so many different ways So it, it keeps on evolving.
1: So what's an upcoming project you're looking forward to working on?
2: Yeah, I'm actually currently uh, working on a bit of a September-related project at the moment, um, because uh, I'm recreating two loved ones or remaking it as more of a bridal version.
1: Oh, how exciting!
2: Um, Yeah, and it's—I mean—it's extra exciting because when I when I did two loved ones this summer, it was quite a hectic a week or week and a half so just to go back and you can look at the pictures uh because i always take pictures to remember what i've done which is uh very good when you're trying to do something similar again <laughs> so just to be able to to do it at a slower pace and you know rethink some things uh, and aspects of it um yeah so i'm i'm doing it it's uh, like I said, a bit of a, a bridal version. Doesn't have to be bridal, of course, but it's love-beam, so it's not suitable. It suits <laughs> so very nicely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm also going to make a smaller version to fit like a flower girl or a, a mother-daughter thing, because that's also something I've uh, been thinking about uh, this fall that, that could be quite nice. Um, because it is playful, so it could also suit someone younger. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm currently working on. And uh, I mean, it's it's still winter here in Sweden, but the closer we get to spring, the more the more spring hats uh, there will be, I suppose. So, so yeah, it's it's a fun time
1: and how about for your business have you got some um you mentioned the, you've been working from home is there anything exciting and upcoming for that
2: yeah I mean uh, I have actually just had uh because I I decided at the end of 2021 that now is the right time to take the next step with my millinery because because like I said the uh, I started doing Millinery in 2015 and it was a hobby that turned into a passion and now that passion is turning into a, a kitchen table business because I have just been approved um, for a business here in Sweden. Congratulations. Uh, yeah thank you very much uh, and I've had my name approved uh, there are always some that's an admin you have to do <laughs> with the authorities to start a business yeah. and uh so I got the name Maya Milliner. which is the name that I have been using for a couple of years uh, for my hobby business so so yeah so that's really exciting um yeah because um I guess I mean it's like I I said there are um certain uh, milestones uh, I took those classes in England, like I described, was a bit of a life changing moment or a milestone. And uh, winning September, I think that was another milestone. Um, it's, it's like taking small steps that guide you forward. Um, so, yeah, so what I plan to do is that I will also offer a selection of my hat for hire. Um, and in that way I hope to contribute to more people getting the chance to wear hats here in Sweden Um, because uh, I mean it's not something you come across every day Um, but but I still feel that it's some that's an increasing interest in hats so yeah yeah and if people can get the chance to try different hats uh, also to, to a lower cost and There's the environmental aspects also of uh, a hat being worn more than once and by more than one person. Um, So yeah, yeah, it's something I've seen other millennials do around the world as well, but I I don't think I've seen anyone do it in Sweden. So I don't know, I might be the first one.
1: (laughs) That's so exciting. Well, congratulations. We can't wait to see what you get up to in your newly launched business.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. And I, I mean, I really appreciate the, being part of your podcast. That's, that's also a milestone, I think.
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Millinery Info with my A great appreciation to our podcast sponsors for making this episode possible. Judith M. Millinery Supply House, The Essential Hat, Hat Academy, Best Western Apollo Bay Motel and Apartments, Louise MacDonald Milliner, House of Adorn, Hattest Millinery Supplies, Lifted Millinery, Be Unique Millinery, Hats by Leco, Hat Mags, That Millinery, and Millinery Australia. You can find a link to each of these businesses in our show notes, which is in your podcast app or through our website. If you've been enjoying listening to this podcast series or wondering how to become a podcast sponsor yourself, I'd like to invite you to sign up to your Patreon of Millinery Info. We've made some changes to our Patreon levels, but to give you an idea of how you could show your support, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash millineryinfo. It will show the cost in your local currency. But to give you an idea of the tiers we have available, there is a small thank you to Millinery Info. Millinery Info, you inspire me all the way up to being a Milliner Info podcast sponsor. Thank you to our current supporters for making all of these episodes possible. Do you have an idea about someone you'd like to hear in this series? A mentor, an inspiring milliner? Send through your ideas via email or pop in our Instagram inbox. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie. Thank you for joining me for this episode. I look forward to talking hats with you again soon.